Hello, film lovers. Yes, it's that time of the week again. Sit down, relax, pop in your headphones, and whap out some popcorn. It is time for the Films I Love Most podcast. Hello film lovers and welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. I am here at the Odeon Lux Cinema, just about to watch the premiere of The Lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and William Defoe. Um, I'm going to put some videos on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter of the Q&A with William Defoe, and we'll obviously be giving our full review on the next podcast, so back over to Keith in the Dungeon. Thank you, Past Keith. Yes, hello, welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. As you can hear, Past Keith there was witnessing The Lighthouse at the Odeon Lux Cinema, and I am here to tell you how that went. And my, my, that's going to be an interesting discussion. But welcome to our London Film Festival special of the Films I Love Most podcast. You are very welcome. I'm in the dungeon with a huge cup of tea because it's going to be a long one today. <clears throat> and we're going to be discussing a lot of films that I saw in the festival and a countdown eight to one of my favourites. So if you are interested, join me and welcome to the London Film Festival special of the Films I Love Most podcast. Hello, just time for a very quick movie news this week because we've got a lot of reviews to do for the London Film Festival. So movie news this week is going to be about The Irishman. Now The Irishman was part of the London Film Festival but unfortunately I couldn't get a ticket and I also had to work that day. So The Irishman, Martin Scorsese directed it and Robert De Niro and Al Pacino will be starring it's got good reviews. Robert De Niro did a Q&A at the London BFI, which was apparently interesting. Bless him. And uh, the film's got good reviews and it's going to be on Netflix. It's three and a half hours long. So it's going to be a proper cup of tea and a duvet movie, which is good because that's sometimes what you need. And it's got, like I said, it's got favourable reviews. I was in Leicester Square during the premiere, got to see... The men themselves, Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Very interesting. Um, the discussions they were having about the movie, it does sound like something that's appealing to me. I do like a good mob movie, especially from Scorsese, who with Francis Ford Coppola basically created the genre. So, yes, if you are interested, at the, I think it's the end of November, The Irishman will be out on Netflix. Check it out, guys, of course. We'll be doing a full review here on the Films I Love Most podcast. Okay, let's do this. It's time for my review 
of the best films from the London Film Festival 2019. How exciting for you, but even more exciting for me. So let me take a big swig of my tea. Yum, yum. And we're going to go from eight to one of the films that I really, really enjoyed at this year's London Film Festival. Let's start with number eight. Number eight is Little Monsters. Little Monsters is a little bit of a cross between Kindergarten Cop and Shaun of the Dead. So the basic plot line is that a school trip goes hideously wrong after the the army base, the American army base, which just happens to be next door to the child-friendly farm where the school are taking their trip, is attacked by zombies. And hilarity ensues, and here's a clip. David, why are you stopping? Because the road is blocked. I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. Looking people out there are it. How do I go backwards? And we don't want to let the bunny people touch us. Look, isn't she good at it? I need you to stick together in a line. So quick sticks, ready, steady. Conda! Conda? Now, my reviews of these movies are going to be quite quick because obviously we have a lot to get through. So Little Monsters is fun. That's all I'm going to say. It starts off as a bit of a dude comedy, you know, a bit of a low life guide, gets thrown out by his girlfriend, ends up living with his sister and his nephew and has to take the nephew on the school trip. He fancies the, uh, the kindergarten teacher, which is the reason why he goes along on the trip in the first place. And... Yeah, I it's it's good. I mean, it's not as funny as I thought it was going to be. And it's also um, not as polished as I thought it was going to be. But as um, a comedy film about zombies goes, it's up there with things like Zombieland. And, you know, some of the latter George R. Romero films, which I don't think were meant to be funny, but they are. So, yeah, I'm going to give Little Monsters... Six out of ten. It was good. It was enjoyable. I would watch it again. But it's one of those films that sort of dissipates from your memory very soon after watching it. Next film is Michael Caton Jones's new movie, which has been adapted from a book, the book called The Sopranos, and also a West End play called Our Ladies of Perpetual Sucker. This film is Our Ladies, and this is number seven on the list. Now, Our Ladies is set in the 90s in Scotland. It's about a group of Catholic schoolgirls. They get the opportunity to go to Edinburgh for a choir competition. But um, obviously they are more interested in drinking, partying and hooking up than they are at winning the aforementioned competition. So all the performances in this film are great. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think that some of the standout performances for me were... Kate Dickey, who plays this sort of repressed nun 
who when she sees sort of rude things going on, even though she knows it's her job to uh, put a stop to it, she definitely gets a little bit of a kick, a little bit of thrill out of this naughtiness going on, which is really, really good fun. <clears throat> Tallulah Grieve, who is incredible in this film. She is, her character is suffering from leukemia or in recovery and she's part of the choir. She goes to the school, Our Lady is a Perpetual Sucker and she's just spot on with the character. She's sympathetic. You really, really end up caring about her a lot and her journey through the film is probably the most substantial of all the girls. She has this sort of fantasy about what being in love is like and then when she finally meets someone she tries to make that fantasy come true and we've all been there and it's an innocent beautiful portrayal of the character and I really really loved it and I give our ladies <clears throat> excuse me uh seven and a half out of ten because it really is a beautiful film. It is really, really nice. The only thing I think that holds it back a little bit is its sentimentality. I know that I've said it's a lovely film and it's very emotional, but sometimes it tips the balance too far and it becomes a bit schmoozy, so to speak. But apart from that, Our Ladies is an absolute classic and it will be out later in the next year. Thank you. Um, our next film, number six, is The Report, starring Adam Driver and Annette Benning. Now, I was lucky enough to see this at a screening that Adam Driver and Annette Benning attended. So there was a lovely Q&A. And if you want to see any of those Q&A videos, please head over to our Instagram, Facebook or Twitter where you can see those videos. So the report is about a Senate staffer, Daniel Jones, who's tasked by his boss, played by Annette Benning, to lead an investigation into the CIA's post-9-11 detention and interrogation programme and during this process uncovers some very shocking secrets. This was a story that I sort of knew it existed, but I wasn't quite sure about the intricate details of the report or the investigation. And it's fascinating. It's really interesting. After 9-11, obviously the world was in a perpetual state of fear and paranoia and panic. And this film really shows you what kind of a state the security services were in after 9-11. The sort of guilt that they felt at not being able to halt those attacks. And that really comes out in the story that they are willing to do anything to get their prisoners of war to speak and get information. <coughs> Shocking, it is. Some of the scenes in it are very difficult to watch. There are scenes of extreme torture in this film, just to warn you. Adam Driver's performance is brilliant, even though they only shot the film in 27 days, which I thought was absolutely amazing. Uh, the director and writer, Scott Burns, does a really good job of putting a lot of information into very short scenes. So it's always fast and there's always a lot going on. It's a lot of information to take in, but it's very digestible for an audience because the way that Adam Driver portrays this character, he doesn't sort of speak down to people. He's very, he's very on the nose of his information, so therefore it's very, very easy to understand. Annette Benning plays the senator and um, she's... Fantastic. I mean, I love Annette Benning. 
one of my favourite films growing up was American Beauty, and she's just stunning in that film. So to be able to see her in real life was amazing. And she plays Senator Diane Fernstein with this sort of, you know, politicians these days are, you know, all bothered about rhetoric and fake news. She just wants the truth. She wants the truth about the situation. She wants this report to come out and it to be on the nose and truthful. And you can see the passion that she has for it. And it's incredible. And it's a really, really good film. It's fast. It's interesting. Even though you know the outcome. Some of you do. Some of you don't. It's a really, really, really good thriller. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm giving the report... 8 out of 10. After 9-11, everyone was scared. Scared it might happen again. It was my second day of grad school. Next day, I changed all my classes to national security. Morning, Dan. Morning, Senator. Have you seen the story today in the New York Times? Evidently, the CIA destroyed tapes of interrogations of Al-Qaeda detainees. I want to find out what was on the tapes and why they were destroyed. No paper. Paper is a way of getting people in trouble at our place. At our place, paper is how we keep track of laws. Last night I found this. He's detaining number 24. Have you guys used this thing before? No, we watched the video. They waterboarded him 183 times. 11, Everything they got from him was either a lie or something they already had. If it works, why do you need to do it 183 times? Maybe when the report comes out, people will finally see that. I vehemently disagree with the narrative here. The United States does not torture. Dan, you need to be careful here. They can't destroy the documents. They can go after the next best thing, you. They claim they saved lives, but what they really did was make it impossible to prosecute a mass murderer. Because if what we did to him ever came out in a court of law, the case is over. The guy planned 9-11. We will not allow this to be covered the up. The intent is to gain intel, save American lives. History is written by the victors. We need to change our approach. How is that even ethical? Nothing could be further from the truth. Democracy is messy. As some of you can hear, my throat is not the best, so I'm going to be doing the rest of the podcast with a hard-boiled throat sweet in my mouth. So if you hear me doing this, I do apologise, but it's for my own good. It's medicine. Okay, so next film is Leap of Faith. Leap of Faith is a documentary all about William Friedkin's experiences in directing The Exorcist. Now, if you haven't seen The Exorcist, don't worry. This film is still very, 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 very interesting. If you want to be a filmmaker, if you're interested in film, if you're interested in the processes of film production, if you're interested in how classic films like The Exorcist, you know, how they they become very small ideas and how they're built up. If you're in, interested in adaptation, so... Adaptation from a book to a film, it delves into that as well. And Freakin's just a character. He's very watchable, very interesting. Some of the stories that he tells, <coughs> excuse me, some of the stories that he tells about the film of The Exorcist and the extremes that he had to go to to get reactions from his cast and to sort of get the performances out of them that he wanted 
it's amazing. It's, um, you know, like some of the things that he did, he'd probably get arrested for today. But he just tells the stories like they're, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But trust me, if he was working as a director today, I think there might be a few court cases. So Leap of Faith documentary. Very, very interesting. Freaking really goes into depths about why he made some creative decisions on the film, especially the opening scene um, set in Iraq, why he decided to add that in, even though it's not in the book. And it's really, really interesting. And I would say that if anyone's interested, not necessarily in horror films, but a film in general, you know, he doesn't just talk about The Exorcist. He also talks about The French Connection. He talks about Cruising, which has just been re-released on Blu-ray from Arrow Video. A very, very interesting film. And yeah, Leap of Faith is really, really good. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And even though it's an hour and a half of just basically watching William Freakin tell his stories, I never once felt bored or I never once felt that I was listening to something insincere. And I loved it. And I'm giving Leap of Faith 8 out of 10. The next film we're going to talk about is from Taika Waititi and... um, I've never seen anything like this before. It's Jojo Rabbit, which is number four on our list. <laughs> Even just thinking about it makes me giggle. It's, um, yeah, if, you, if any of you have thought to yourself, hmm, do you know what the world needs? A comedy about Nazis. Well, your wish has been fulfilled. Here you go. Here is a rip-roaring comedy about Nazis. Now, Taika Waititi is basically best known for his creations such as What We Did in the Shadows... And Thor Ragnarok, he directed that. In this film, he plays the imaginary friend of a young boy called Jojo, who is in Hitler's army. And Jojo finds out that his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their home. And it's almost like a fight within him to try and come up with a solution of what to do. Does he go and report the girl? But then he finds out that he actually quite gets on well with her, so therefore he's falling in love with her a little bit, even though he's been told that Jews are evil and they're monsters, never ever talk to one or approach one. He finds himself warming up to this young Jewish girl. Scarlett Johansson plays his mother, which she does very well. She's it's she's actually my favourite character in the film. She plays it with such beauty and understatement and care and attention that when a big moment of the film happens, it sort of rips your heart out. Um, it's great. It's such a good, funny, strong comedy that satires, you know, satirises the Nazi party and Hitler and even some of the themes in it are very prevalent today it sort of pokes fun at them and it's really really good the central performances are great like i said scarlett johansson is amazing but roman griffin davis who plays jojo is just a revelation he's so good his performance is honest it's true it's weird i mean he has an imaginary friend who's hitler you know what could get more stranger than that And he just plays it with complete conviction and I absolutely loved it. And I'm giving Jojo Rabbit eight and a half out of ten. Poor Jojo. What's wrong, little man? Hi, Adolf. Want to tell me about that rabbit incident? What was all that about? 
They wanted me to kill it. I'm sorry. I couldn't. Don't worry about it. I couldn't care less. But now they call me a scared rabbit. Let them say whatever they want. People used to say a lot of nasty things about me. Oh, this guy's a lunatic. Oh, look at that psycho. He's gonna get us all killed. I'll let you in on a little secret. The rabbit is no coward. The humble little bunny faces a dangerous world every day, hunting carrots for his family, for his country. My empire will be full of all animals. Lions, giraffes, zebras, rhinoceroses, octopuses, rhinoctopuses, even the mighty rabbit. Cigarette? Oh, no thanks, I don't smoke. Let me give you some really good advice. Be the rabbit. The humble bunny can outwit all of his enemies. He's brave and sneaky and strong. Be the rabbit. Jojo! Are you all right, Jojo? Who are you talking to? Nobody. So we're now into the top three of our best films from the London Film Festival. And number three is from director and writer Alejandro Landis, and it's Monos. Now, I saw Monos at a press screening about two weeks before the festival started, and I was blown away by it. It is one of the most epic, disturbing, interesting films I've ever seen. So it's all set on a mountaintop, and there's eight kids there, and they have guns, and they're watching over a hostage that has um, that is of great importance to their cause, and they sort of are given a milk cow to look after. Now, it doesn't go very well uh, when it comes to babysitting this cow, but that's not sort of the central part of the plot. The central part of the plot is how these kids are brainwashed and how determined and driven they are by a single cause which could cause them to die and lose their life. I mean, they're child soldiers. There's this sort of war going on in the background. They're being manipulated by this sort of central commander figure that is, you know, putting them through their paces and preparing them for something, although you never find out what it is. Now, when the film first started, I thought this is the best Peter Pan sequel I've ever seen because it's almost like what happened to the lost boys and lost girls, you know, what happened to them. This film almost shows what happened to them. And then it only it was only when it started to get deeper into the hostage storyline that I realised that there was something darker going on. Now, I've heard the film described as Apocalypse Now with kids. I would I would 100% agree with that. I think it's definitely got Apocalypse Now elements to it. But it's not Apocalypse Now for kids. Because this film is very, very dark and very violent. And... You have to go in there with the mindset of the, you're, not, you're going to see things that you're not going to forget very easily. It sort of emblazons itself on your mind. And I think it's incredible. It won Best Feature Film at the London Film Festival. That's how good it is. It won Top Prize. For me, it wasn't the top film I saw. We'll be talking about those in a minute. But Monos is definitely a future classic. And I would say that if you're a teacher, especially if of A-levels... Take kids to see this. If you're studying drama or media or anything like that, take the kids to see Monos because it's one of those films that 
will stay with them for a long time, but for all the right reasons. I give Monos 9 out of 10. Number two is The Lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and William Defoe. Now, you heard past Keith um, mention that he was in the screening for this film, and if only I could go back and warn him what he was about to see. This film is directed by Robert Eggers, who directed The Witch, which if any of you have seen that, then that pretty much sets you up for what you're going to be seeing in The Lighthouse, visually, but not plot-wise, because The Lighthouse is a shocker, and I do not say that lightly. So it's very hypnotic, it's like a hallucinatory tale of two lighthouse keepers on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. And it's a tale of, I mean, there's definitely elements of The Shining in there. There's even a couple of music cues that are clued up completely because of The Shining. And I definitely got some of those vibes um, sort of in the, in the middle of the film. But the plot is open to interpretation, which is why I love it so much. Everybody I've spoken to about this film has a different interpretation of what happened in that lighthouse. It's violent, it's gritty, the performances are phenomenal, especially William Defoe. And if he does not win Best Actor Oscar for this, then it is a crime, because he is absolutely incredible. I cannot stress... I've never seen a performance like it in film. Now, this film is filmed on 35mm and it's in black and white and it's grainy and it's and it's edited. It's a very chop-start editing style, which I really, really like anyway. I still don't know what it's about. I have an idea, but it's personal to me, so I'm not going to talk about it because that's not fair. You have to go to this film and you have to make your own mind up about what is happening to these two men on this lighthouse, on this island. It is so rewarding. It's an experience that you will never forget. And it is a film that will go down in history as probably the film most open to interpretation out of anything that has ever been made before. And I give The Lighthouse nine and a half out of ten. I seen you sparring with a gull. Best leave him be. Why is it bad luck to kill a gull? In him's the souls of sailors. What met their maker? So, call me a soppy bugger, but I have chosen the film that affected me emotionally the most at the film festival. I came out of this movie feeling like there was a ball of emotion in my chest. And when I got home, I cried for about 10 minutes. It wasn't an emotion that I could show at the time. It's sort of, as the more I thought about the film and its layers and its relationships, I got home and I just exploded and cried. And I absolutely loved it. 
and it's being released in the new year. And my number one film of the London Film Festival 2019 is Waves, directed by Trey Edward Schultz. It is an absolute masterpiece in dealing with the consequences on a family of an an horrific event which is dealt with in the first hour and 10 minutes of the movie. The consequences are dealt with with the rest of the running time of the film. But it deals with such raw emotion, happiness, sadness, loss, betrayal. It's all mixed in this film and it's absolutely beautiful and played to such perfection. Now, I'm not really up with... Uh, Trey Edward Schultz's work before this but I have to say that it is an absolute masterpiece and I saw it in the Odeon Lux um, with a full audience and there is one moment in the film where as a complete audience we gasped and I could see people crying and it was a really really shared experience which I've never really experienced before in a cinema And that's why I think I loved it so much. You could just see raw emotion coming from members of the audience, which is fantastic. I mean, with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, we need a release that's safe and comforting for us. And Waves definitely delivers. I would say that Waves is also a film that should be shown in schools from a very early age. Obviously, it's a 15, so it would only be able to be shown at 15 But I think that it's a very important cultural film, especially with the times that we're going through at the moment. And it has a huge message. And I heard it and it really spoke to me, which is why Waves is number one film for me at the London Film Festival 2019. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It doesn't boast. Love also forgets wrong. I will always love you. How I do. It's been hard, hasn't it? Let go of a prayer for you. How you doing with everything? I'm good. Just a sweet word. You know it's okay if you're not. The table is prepared for you. I'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world. It's not easy out there. Everything I do for you. Everything. I know you're under a lot of pressure right now, but I'm just getting really scared. But you'll have this place to call home. Everything's gonna be okay, all right? Always. We're in this together. Hey, it's competition time. 
What was your favourite film at the London Film Festival? So if you saw anything and it was amazing, let me know. You can either send me a message on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Or you can email at filmilovemost at yahoo.com. I'll choose one at random. And whoever gets chosen is going to win a Blu-ray from the Bog of Eternal Stench. So it's a win-win situation. All you need to do is message me on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter or email at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com and if you're chosen, you could win a random Blu-ray from the Bog of Eternal Stench. What could go wrong? Amazing. Let me know. I was very, very lucky to attend a world premiere screening of the first episode of His Dark Materials on Wednesday evening. And I have to say, I think this is about to become my new TV heaven. It was fantastic and the cast are amazing. And with the Q&A at the beginning, you can see that the BBC have put such care into this and they really want it to do well. And it's an absolute masterpiece of television. It's eight one-hour episodes and it starts the first week in November on the Sunday. It stars David Suchet, it stars Andrew Scott, it's got James McAvoy, Ruth Wilson and also, I mean, it's weird to even say this, but it's got Lin-Manuel Miranda in it. So, yeah, it's just a huge mix of fantasy, drama, special effects. It's like pre-Harry Potter, but you could definitely see elements of this series that weaved into the Potter world. So if you're a fan of Harry Potter, you're going to absolutely love this series. And like there were, like I said, the Q&A beforehand was really interesting because the BBC have obviously got such a love and care for this material. So His Dark Materials starts on the BBC on Sunday the 3rd of November. Enjoy. You once asked me what evil was. There are things that you're better off not understanding. I promised to do everything I could to protect you. Protect me? From what? In every child's nightmare, there's an element of truth. The powers of this world are very strong. They are stealing children. This is war. Who is willing to fight for true freedom? Now is the time to choose a side. Just let me discuss with you quickly a future podcast, which is going to be very exciting. I'm going to be speaking to the head of compliance of the BBFC this week. And that is going to be broadcast as a Films I Love Most podcast. So we're going to be talking to them about the ever-changing face of the BBFC. Is classification changing with streaming and in the internet? We will find out when I interview the head of compliance of the BBFC coming up very shortly. Sorry if I sound a bit scared, but my Lady Abelique poster just fell off the wall. And it, it being so close to Halloween, it freaked me out a little bit.
It's okay. I'm okay. The gentleman we're about to hear from, I respect so much. His name is Joe Lidster. He is writer of top television series such as The Sarah Jane Adventures. He has written episodes of The Demon Headmaster, which is currently playing on CBBC. And he also writes for the audio company Big Finish for their Doctor Who and Dark Shadows ranges. It's time for Joe Lidster to tell us what film he loves most. Hi, my name's Joe Lidster, and the film I love most is Speed. It's a 90s action film, but it's very funny. It's got such a great concept behind it. It's got Keanu Reeves in a tight white t-shirt, Dennis Hopper being amazing, and it gave the world Sandra Bullock. Um, it also has the best soundtrack uh, of any film ever made, and I love every character on the bus. It's just brilliant. Thank you, Joe. Yes, Joe's favourite film is Speed, starring Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Of course, huge, huge film when it came out in 1994. It's just one of those films that you watch and you just get so much out of it every time because it's fast, furious. In fact, it's probably an influence on Fast and Furious. It has a really good central villain, played like literally Dennis Hopper just eats the scenery in this film and the concept is simple but effective a bus that's out of control or in control of a terrorist that can't go over or under 50 miles an hour what would you do and there are lots of sort of obstacles put in the ways of our heroes and they have to overcome it and it's perfect and it's a great action movie but what really fascinates me is actually the sequel Speed 2 when Keanu Reeves decided after reading the script that he was not going to return playing his lead character of Jack Draven and therefore it's recast by Jason Patrick and it is one of the biggest flops of all time so unfortunately Speed's sort of reputation is overshadowed by its absolutely terrible sequel. I don't know what Sandra Bullock was thinking of. But Speed in itself as a single entity is one of the best action films of the 20th century and will go down in history of having Dennis Hopper just playing the most nuts character ever seen on Celluloid. Thank you, Joe. Film found for a pound. Still haven't got those jingles sorted out. One day, one day I have asked someone. They just haven't got back to me yet. Let me just finish my tea. And I will reveal some of the titles given this week for Film Found for a Pound. Battle Royale. That is a very popular one. Battle Royale is one of my favourite films of all time. We've got Day of the Jackal. Interesting. We've got Cabaret. The Witch, which ties into our top eight Best films of the film festival with The Lighthouse coming second. The Witch is a very, very, very good film. If if you are a film a film fan or a fan of horror, especially horror set during sort of, you know, in Middle England in the turn of the century, then watch this film. It's incredible. But our film found for a pound this week is Phantasm. I'll just let that settle with you for a moment. This film... Sounds like it should come from the Bog of Eternal Stench. And I'm going to just tell you the truth. It's a very, very odd movie. 
but odd in a good way. It's almost quite art house for a film of its time, and especially a film that that went on to spawn so many sequels. I mean, I think there's four Phantasms or five. But the thing I really love about this film is its campiness and its like reluctance to just try and scare you. It tries to, to scare you in a way of that it has such high concept ideas. It's not just like, oh, there's a monster in a graveyard. And it really pushes the 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 envelope when it comes to huge sort of sci-fi horror ideas and I really love it about this film so it's about a teenage boy and his friends and they have to face off against this mysterious grave robber known only as the tall man um, and who has a lot of terrible weapons to use against these kids there's obviously the sphere the globe the ball that um, is sort of quite like centric to phantasm in the fact that it's what featured heavily in the sequels because it seemed to people seem to think that that was the most sort of standout moment of the original film was this sort of ball that flew through the air and blades come out and it bust you in the head and killed you um i don't think that's the most interesting idea of the film i think the most interesting idea of the film is the fact that these entities are coming to our planet stealing our dead and turning them into slaves which is a really interesting idea not so much played on in the first film but definitely in the sequels it sort of becomes more clear what these aliens are up to but phantasm is a genre bending absolute ride and if you haven't seen it i would say make sure you're in the right frame of mind to watch probably the most campiest horror film you're about you're about to watch but just you know Sit down with a glass of red and take in the absolute chaos, which is Phantasm. Well, there we go. That was our London Film Festival special with our countdown from eight to one of the best films of this year's London Film Festival 2019. And lots of other little random things thrown in for you as well. I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to join us next time when we'll have an interview from the head of compliance at the BBFC who I'm going to be grilling about classification of films these days and lots more. I know that some of you have been emailing me and and getting in contact on Twitter that you want my Joker review. I'm not giving it this week. I need it to settle in first before I give my Joker review because at the moment I think I'm going to upset a few people by saying that right now at this moment in time I'm not a fan but I think I might need to see it again. So Joker next week and we'll be talking about obviously the latest big releases at the cinema on the big screen and the small screen. Join us next time on the Films I Love Most podcast. Bye.